Future Commerce is brought to you by DotMailer. DotMailer is faster, smarter, and better email marketing automation. DotMailer is trusted by thousands of leading brands around the world. You can start your free trial today at dotmailer.com slash futurecommerce. And be sure to use the offer code futurecommerce for 20% off applicable dotmailer packages. Future Commerce is brought to you by Turn2. Turn2 provides customer content solutions with a roadmap for the future. Turn2 is proud to support this podcast to further the conversation on commerce innovation. Learn more at turn2networks.com slash futurecommerce. Future Commerce is brought to you by Link. Link makes your customers' post-purchase experience something they love. Through breakthrough innovation in artificial intelligence, be sure to stick around to the middle of the show for a special offer. You can visit Link online today at letslink.com slash podcast. That's letslinc.com slash podcast. All right. Welcome to Future Commerce, another episode about what's next in commerce. Uh, I'm Brian Lang. And I'm Philip Jackson. And today we have Mr. Nick Vu on the show with us uh, from Adidas. Welcome, Nick. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, joining us on the show. And this is actually our first time meeting virtually. And uh, I'm really excited to have you and uh, really excited to hear your perspective on uh, retail and the industry and uh, some technological advancements and uh, cross, wow, just about everything, I suppose. <laughs> we, we, yeah. uh, just before we get started here today, uh, we do want your feedback on today's show. So make sure that you hit us up at futurecommerce.fm. Uh, click on the episode title. And at the bottom, there's a discuss box. And we want you to join in on the conversation. Uh, so make sure that you uh, leave some feedback there. Uh, get the conversation started. Uh, you can also uh, follow us online on Twitter. Uh, and you can listen at any time on iTunes, Google Play, or from your Amazon Echo device with the uh, phrase Alexa, play Future Commerce Podcast. Yeah, so there we go. So welcome, Nick. Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, give us some background for the people who don't know who you are. Yeah, thanks, guys. Honored to be on your show today and I'm looking forward to having a great discussion. So I've been with Adidas now for almost 10 years. And just to disclose, I'm also transitioning out to uh, become a CEO at a company called Komodo Holdings, Inc. in the private sector. And Congratulations. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. I'm, it's really exciting. And I'll have some freedom and flexibility to really talk and, and maybe execute some of these uh, future technological pieces for the consumer. Mm. So maybe I should just start with Adidas really quickly. I'm currently the GM uh, of Adidas North America for direct-to-consumer. What that consists of really is just uh, leading the e-commerce business, full P&L, and the brick-and-mortar business, full price and off-price. Um, you know, North America is about a $5 billion business, and so uh, we've been on a tremendous journey over the last 10 years from a direct-to-consumer perspective. And then Obviously, you guys have either heard or the audience has probably read that over the last 18, 24 months, we've just been on fire as a brand, uh, mm -hmm. really taking market share from Nike and Under Armour. So it's an exciting time for sure, not only my career journey, but uh, more importantly, Adidas's uh, um, journey in climbing back within the U.S. marketplace. So nice. It's looking forward to talking with you guys today. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Man, uh, uh, that's really exciting to hear. Um, so, so many things to talk about. Uh, you know, both uh, sort of Adidas plays in the last you know two years here, and then also I, I want to hear about more about what's ahead for you. Um, yeah, for sure, uh, definitely. But uh, maybe let's start. Let's start back with Adidas, and and maybe you can give us a little bit of your story. You know, what um, obviously you've you've had a big hand in the success uh, that that you've seen um, over the past couple of years here. And um, but you and you've been with Adidas for ten years. Maybe give us a little bit of a of the journey where you know you kind of uh, kind of where you started, where where you ended up, and 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 some of the steps to get there. Yeah, of course. So in 2007, I joined Adidas as the director of store operations, and essentially um, really led and uh, led and built the architecture for operations, uh, essentially workload planning, field management, uh, labor management. And then ultimately, 10 months later, I was promoted to the head of retail operations. And uh, what that really means is kind of mini CEO of an organization. So when I started, we were a $150 million business. 
Um, and then currently we're probably a 1.6, $1.7 billion uh, enterprise now with e-com and brick and mortar. And yeah, so it's been a big journey, right? Going from 150 to 1.7 uh, billion <laughs> revenue. Um, and so I can tell you all the different plateaus and platforms and, and uh, struggles that we had, you know what I mean? When it comes to um, the e-com and or brick and mortar journey. So after 14 months as the head of operations, I became the VP of retail for Adidas North America. I did that stint for about three and a half years and um, really kind of implemented three or four key strategies, guys, which was uh, merchandising strategy around uh, localized assortments, uh, opening up a full price channel at the time in 2009, 10, and then ultimately optimizing and right-sizing our factory fleet, was, which was way oversized at the time. Hmm. And so just some key statistics that, that may lend some credibility to the conversation. When I first started, Adidas was operating at about $280 per square foot, roughly, um, gross. And uh, today, depending on division, let's say a full price... Plus, so significant, wow. significant sales dollar improvement um, through those several strategies that we were relentless on, and obviously technology helped us too, guys. But um, in 2013, I got promoted to the SVP of multi-brands. So if you think about Adidas brand in 2009, only North America. Now I'm dealing with six or seven sub-brands, and really going through an internal merger, acquisition, divestiture process. Uh, which then kind of leads to the current story of me transitioning out to be a CEO for a private equity company. So wow. um, those sub-brands include um, Adidas, Reebok, TaylorMade, Rockport, Mitchell & Ness, you know, NBA mm. Retail, et cetera. So very diverse businesses in this case. And, and uh, I would say in simple terms, it's been a lot of building teams, um, developing future leaders to, to kind of run these businesses and a lot of strategy work. So just nice. as Hopefully uh, that gives you a little bit of, background. yeah, I mean, absolutely. My, I, I have a, a question there because, uh, there are so many brands there that, uh, yep. uh, that, that you are, you know, overseeing, do you, how, how different are the strategies and how different is the go-to-market for each of those brands? I, I, you talked a little bit about technology being assistive in in the growth and sort of the transformation of the retail uh, channel, but but honestly, how different is you know TaylorMade to to an Adidas retail experience, and what is you know what do you think is the difference, and and how can that help you know merchants that are listening to the show or retailers listening to the show to forge their own strategies? Yeah, it's it's a, a very astute question. Here's my response. And I'm going to give you an analogy that I, I was on another call, and I think they uh, are going to steal this, and I welcome our audience and yourselves to steal this too. I think each brand is different, and my analogy would be if Adidas is the mature organization, uh, we're probably more like, with respect to processes, systems, um, technology, more like a tugboat, a large freighter, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at Reebok, similar situation, just maybe a smaller tugboat. But when you look at like a Mitchell and Ness going to the other opposite end, I would consider that uh, analogy to be a speedboat, right? And then mm. um, here's the punchline. If you look at our e-com businesses in that industry, it's really like a jet ski. And so, mm. you know, as a, as a potential driver rider in, in this analogy, uh, you really have to deploy strategies that that fit the the speed of which the businesses are moving. And so from my vantage point, when I look at the different brands, the lens I have to put on before I, I, I get on one of those uh, uh, ships or, or uh, vehicles is, uh, wow, if I'm dealing with an e-com topic, depending on the brand, I got to know that I'm, I'm riding on a, a 70 mile an hour jet ski. You know what I mean? As hmm. opposed to, implementing technologies on a mature business that may be much more like a uh, big freighter speedboat, a uh, big, big freighter tugboat. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Totally. So 
what I, what I would say is every brand had a different strategy to simplify it. And uh, merchandising strategies were similar, if you will, obviously to improve sales productivity. Um, but the sequencing activities, uh, we were able to test much faster in the smaller brands than implement and execute in the mature brands. And I think that would be what I would leave the audience with. And yeah, it, each, each brand, each market had um, the details within it that, that you really needed to pay attention to. And I, I guess that would be my advice to the audience is not everything, uh, one size doesn't fit all here, right. particularly around merchandising or technologies mm. for sure. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, what, another thing you mentioned, uh, great advice, great advice. Uh, you mentioned that you did use some, st- uh, some tech uh, to, to, to make some of these jumps. Um, and I, I would guess that each brand, you know, kind of getting to your point, um, you know, the speedboat is going to need different tech than the, the, the tugboat is, um, right. could you talk through maybe, you know, kind of what that looked like in a very practical sense, which tech sure. did you use, you know, in store or online for some of the more speedboaty brands? And, yep. and then what about the tugboat brands? And then also, you know, where do you see each of those going? Like if you're a speedboat now, um, what, where do you see those speed, what do you see them using in, in their in-store experiences or maybe online versus the tugboats? Yeah. So I'll give you a, a, a classic example. I think every retailer would have to contend with. So let's say music and the experience around music and or 2d and 3d within the store. So typically uh, for example, if I use the Adidas, we used a music provider, legacy music provider who, you know, sent in a, a technology that allowed us to play music and then download CDs, et cetera. That's very old school at this point. Sure. We chose a new music provider that allowed us to, A, change the music at Adidas uh, digitally. We could download digital content and or messaging, brand messaging. Um, to our consumer within store. So now uh, the evolution of just music player to uh, digital uh, messaging, uh, music uh, updating by the minute, if you like, uh, by location. And so obviously you would need a, a, a team and resource to do that within your corporate offices. But then the next evolution of Adidas was then music, content messaging, we added VR, uh, virtual reality, uh, into uh, our world flagship on Fifth Avenue to create a further experience. And so that's very methodical, very sequential from a mature uh, business, uh, in this case, Adidas, and let's say Tugboat as the analogy. Mm. When you go to a Mitchell Ness, as an example, who's got one flagship in Philadelphia, a big wholesale business, and the idea of growing you can implement all of those things right from the get-go and then start to then talk about what I would consider the future of, uh, let's say, the music experience or consumer experience, which is then, hey, you could potentially opt uh, in, co-create with your consumer uh, based on music rights, um, what you're paying the organization and, and the artist. But imagine this one day. Imagine that you can walk in with your smartphone into uh, a store and uh, select the music that you want to hear while you're in there for 15, 20 minutes. And the idea is um, you can access anything from your playlist or you can access anything from the existing store's playlist and really cater your experience to your liking, right? Mm. And essentially, if there's 100 people in the store, they could add in, we queue it up and prioritize it. So that's just one example that I was already working on Adidas and the evolutionary steps of, uh, of, your, of one consumer experience, right? Right. In the new company, let's say Jet, so the new company that I'm going to with, with Komodo, it is definitely going to be Speedboat, smaller organization, um, being the CEO, we'll be able to make decisions extremely fast. So I'm going to then say all of the steps of which I've just identified, I'm going to implement immediately. And then evolve music then to, let's say, the community, right? Social, digital uh, communities, whether it's uh, Instagram, Snapchat, et cetera. And I think the message that we are all trying to achieve is this, this 
um, comprehensive ecosystem in which the consumer can dictate. And that would be that would be how I'm going to try to change the industry or influence the industry. More importantly, is to say, look, if you look at other industries like the electric car industry, they essentially want the car to self-drive, and you can talk to your social digital friends, different communities, and or do whatever the consumer wants to do while they're driving. I mean, there's cars that self-park today. I don't think direct-to-consumer industries, e-com or retail brick and mortar is any different. And I think that's what I would try to influence the industry to think about, which is to create this comprehensive ecosystem that allows more options for our consumers to spend time with us as a brand mm-hmm. or as an organization. And so does that help guys? Because I, I, I would say that would that would be my very methodical evolution on just one thing simple as music. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. There's uh Go ahead, Philip. yeah, there's this uh you know, it you sort of got my gears turning of the the kinds of data uh in the retail experience that you may be able to generate and come out with is is uh as something as catered or as as personal as as musical taste. Um, is there, is there anything that you've taken away from the musical, you know, that, that music in-store experience that really affects, uh, you know, things that, what really moves the needle in, in the retail experience, like from, from a sales perspective, like there's, there's gotta be some data around there that, uh, otherwise you wouldn't be investing in it. Right. That's, uh, yeah. There's one key data statistic, and you can use iBeacons. Um, so there's there's a few new technologies in which you can kind of triangulate a consumer's journey, right? Mm-hmm. You got a traffic counter for when they enter. You can use iBeacons for IP on mobile or smartphones. Um, and essentially, the data of which you can acquire, not only allowing the consumer to opt in, so you, you take care of all the legal issues, but the time they spend in your store uh, and where they spend time in your store gives you significant data on how you can present merchandise and or marketing um, content to them uh, to engage them longer in your store. And uh, all, although this is an old adage since the beginning of retail time, mm-hmm. it still remains true. The longer a uh, consumer stays in your store, the higher the propensity for one to purchase and or convert. Sure. And so um, that would be kind of the data triangulation. There's obviously so many different partners and vendors out there that can help you do that. But that would be one of the, the steps. In, and I would collect data and say, how long did our consumers spend in our stores? Where did they spend it? Because, you know, uh, you're, you're now making decisions or developing strategies on fact-based information that sure. the consumer is giving you, right? And so that would be something that I think uh, would be beneficial to many retailers. Ah, it's amazing. Nice. You mentioned um, that you're, you're, you were using VR in the uh, flagship store. Um, yep. how, how, can you kind of go into the experience uh, that, you're, yeah. that you're implementing there and then, and then maybe talk about, you know, how you see that being rolled out in, in on a further basis and what's ahead for VR? Yeah. So, uh, when we launched our store on Fifth Avenue, as you guys know, that street's the most expensive rent in, in the world, yeah. uh, anywhere, hands down. And when you first walked into our store beyond grand opening, we had uh, launched a James Harden campaign, uh, NBA superstar, mm-hmm. our Adidas athlete. You walked in and the entire first ground floor of our Fifth Avenue store, highest rent, we didn't sell any product. It was basically a brand. Uh, experience where you you walked in welcome to adidas uh here's our current athlete that we want to showcase james harden um youth to adults could come in put on these vr pieces it would be like you were talking to james harden he was giving me a personal story uh, his story as well as the adidas connection um that was our launch zone i mean how amazing is that to to be a brand of our size worldwide and dedicate the entire first floor um, to wow. branding and introducing James Harden. So, you know, that conversation then split, splits up into or fragments into so many different other opportunities. James Harden's getting his play with mm-hmm. Adidas. Adidas is introducing technology that allows the consumer to feel like they're talking to James Harden. I mean, that's an experience that allowed people to stay in store longer, which then piqued their interest. We also then got to um, give them our history, right? So, 
uh, when a consumer is introduced to Adidas brand for the first time, uh, you're getting our history. You're making connection with us, or at least that's our best attempt. And then if you're a, re a pr repeat customer, you may or may not have seen all those details. Uh, and so I think from a VR perspective, the next evolution is how do you do that in smaller micro segments versus just kind of one big uh, star-studded athlete, right? And so mm. I, I see that next evolution is, hey, if you're a runner walking into our store, maybe you can potentially run on the treadmill and run any marathon track that you want, Boston being the premier one uh, of marathons. You can run Berlin, you can run Tokyo. I mean, we have the, the Ultra Boost that's won all these marathons. Why don't you try these Ultra Boost marathon shoes on who, who has won all these marathons, first, second, third, and mm. now you're running the track with us, right? So that mm. is me just hypothesizing where this could go, but that would be amazing. And depending on that what type of sport you played, I mean, maybe you're playing in a World Cup if you're, if you're soccer, right? And World Cup year is coming up next year. That would be an amazing experience from a consumer perspective while you're trying on footwear, something as simple as footwear or apparel. Mm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, did you, uh, did you start to investigate maybe even using like augmented reality in any way or mixed reality or yeah, uh, we have maybe even like we, holograms? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I saw a hologram landing in Vegas, right at McCarran airport. Yeah. That's when I first peeked in and I was like, wow, look at this, uh, an attractive hologram that gave you all this information and you can kind of talk to it. And I think for Adidas, I definitely think hologram is part of uh, an experience in the future. I think for Adidas using that mature business model, we may need to wait for just a little bit more on the reaction time, the response time. But my opinion would be it's definitely part of an experience that, that should be included at Adidas and or other companies moving forward. I, I think that's just the next wave of that personal touch. And yeah, I, no, I think I'm, the key is, sorry, is sorry. yeah, sorry. The, the key is, is that these are technologies that actually have an experiential value rather than uh, just the application or, or the, the need uh, to try to uh, apply a digital experience in store because it's sort of this misguided understanding that, uh, well, people like interacting with digital. So let's put digital in store because that's what people right. like. It's that's what, which is, I, I think, what is the misapplication? What's happening in retail today is that people don't want to come to your locations to experience technology. They want to experience your brand wherever they happen to be, and that you know, understanding that it's not the technology that closes the sale. It's not the technology that creates a destination out of a retail experience, but it's technology and transparent technology at that that gives an experience in and of itself. And the only place to have that experience is at the retail, you know, uh, storefront. Right. Well, that, that's the transformative piece of, of future commerce. You know, I'm glad you guys said that because I've been out giving speeches to different groups, whether it's uh, NG or at Shop Talk. I was just at Shop Talk in April and there's 5,000 people there as an example. And I was sitting on a panel. Mm. I absolutely would echo and underline what you just said. This is around experiences for the consumer. Technology assists on providing that ultimate experience. Um, but I advise people all the time, uh, don't go after just technology because the consumers today have technologies right in their hand. And yeah. so I think to your point, it's got to be an intentional, very strategic experience that technology assists to deliver. So 100%. Yeah. Nice, Yeah. One of the other things that uh, I heard you kind of mention there, which was uh, uh, when you were talking about um, uh, the holograms and, and what you experienced with the hologram, you kind of mentioned that you could talk to the hologram, um, which is, is it kind of a, a form of conversational commerce, uh, or I guess in this case, it wasn't commerce, yep. but of a bot. Um, did Adidas any, do anything with AI or bots or, or voice commerce? Did you guys start looking at, are you looking at... Um, at using Alexa in any way or um, some of these other um, upcoming voice-related technologies? Yeah, we, we have, particularly from a phone system, answering machine, if you will, for, for our store brick-and-mortar pieces. Um, but I think, again, just mea culpa here from, from my perspective, 
being a mature business, I think we wanted to see more application in the mm -hmm. industry as mm -hmm. opposed to being on the leading or bleeding edge there. And so I think that was more of a personalized approach to me seeing a mature business. I certainly would, uh, uh, in a new organization that I'm going to, if pro provided the opportunity to just test, um, uh, I, I would probably do that. And so this was more of a fiscal responsibility. What priorities did you have in a mature business, right? But to your, to your question, we're certainly open to it. And I know on the supply chain side, we're definitely starting to use uh, some of those technologies to help us. And I, I don't know if you've uh, read, I'm sure you have, you know, we're starting to use a lot of uh, AI in our supply chain, mm -hmm. future craft, uh, 4D is kind of, we've kind of skipped 3D printing and kind of moved on to future craft 4D. And so mm. we are absolutely um, looking to uh, exercise and experience uh, with all these new technologies for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Future Commerce is brought to you by DotMailer. DotMailer is used by thousands of marketers around the world. It has quick and easy campaign creation with a world-class intuitive interface. The DotMailer team is always on hand from email creation, creative, and delivery to dedicated consultancy, helping you build your own success story. DotMailer is built to play well with others. You can build your own marketing cloud by extending DotMailer or integrating it with your existing e-commerce and business platforms. Become a smarter, faster, better marketer and create sophisticated and measurable campaigns with DotMailer. Go to DotMailer.com slash futurecommerce to start your free trial today and be sure to use the offer code futurecommerce for 20% off DotMailer packages. Thanks again to DotMailer for supporting Future Commerce. Future Commerce is brought to you by Turn2. Turn2 is the fastest growing customer content platform provider to the internet retailer 500. They provide innovative ratings and reviews and visual reviews to the largest companies in the world. And they're backed by the highest customer service rating in the business. You can find out more today at turn2networks.com slash future commerce. Link is the best way to get your customers coming back to buy again. Link's Cortex AI platform creates rich relationships with every customer at every touch point on every platform. From Magento to Shopify, Hybris and Demandware, over 300 logistic and reverse logistic carriers around the world are integrated with Link. Link brings your brand to where customers are on Facebook Messenger, Alexa, SMS, and more. Let Link add the power of artificial intelligence to your business. For a limited time, Future Commerce listeners can claim an exclusive trial offer for 30 days free of Link Cortex. Sign up today and visit them online at letslink.com slash podcast. That's letslink.com slash podcast. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually, uh, you know, in, in sort of preparation for this uh, for this conversation, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking to myself, uh, you know, how do, how do we talk about things that are transformative, that are sort of applicable to everybody, uh, and then sort of seeing everything that Adidas has done, uh, it's it's really hard to do because it's there's there's so many things that you're pushing the envelope on that I think are 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 you're you're doing exactly what a company that of of your size and influence uh, and uh, and brand recognition should be doing, which is uh, leading the way. And I think that uh, you know you should be leading the way in textiles. You should be leading the way in 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 uh, supply chain uh, innovation. Um, and you should be evangelizing those things that you're doing. So it's, it's you know, for uh, for those of uh, of us who are listening who uh, have you know uh, SMB retail experiences, we should be looking to companies like Adidas not as what can we glean that we can use, but we should look at them as um, helping make uh, helping prove out the market and helping prove out uh, these concepts to make them more applicable to us down uh, down market because that's. Uh, you know, transparency of supply chain is the future of commerce, uh, whether we like it or not. And it's only going to get to us uh, in, in down in, in the SMB space when uh, much larger uh, multinational, uh, uh, you know, titans in, in this industry are the ones that are sort of helping make the technology more accessible and actually groom consumer expectation, which I think is the, the key, is the consumer having to expect it in every retail context, not just the ones that they engage with in the larger brands. 
Exactly this is right. getting this is getting back to something we talked about on our last episode, which is it is, it is it's it's a very interesting thing. But retail is actually changing the world in 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 the way that people are in a, are living their daily lives, and um, and so having a brand like Adidas, that's that's you know got a guy like Nick Vu who's willing to be transparent about how they're accomplishing. We just talked about Ikea doing this um, to some degree and um, really making it clear how they went about achieving the success that they they have and, and being, you know, and, and being transparent about that is really important because retail brands in many ways are, are one of the largest drivers about of, of how we're going to live our lives not too long. Yeah. Ago. Um, so I, I love this, Nick. I mean, it's great that you're willing to share a lot of this stuff. And, um, you know, I know you do a lot of talk talks around the world and, um, I, I just love, I love the, you know, the, the openness. Um, and, and that's not true of every, every brand out there, but, um, I think this is a good sort of encouragement, like brands that are open actually do well. It's not, it's not a bad thing to be open. Yeah. And if I can just add one point, guys, and I appreciate the kind words, I think it's more of an organizational transformation. And I think when I, when I speak mm. about Adidas Group and all the sub-brands, I mean, we're creating an environment where our consumers can help us co-create. Obviously, our brand strategy and content is around creating the new. But instead of giving you a bunch of corporate taglines, here's what I would say. I, I We opened up a Brooklyn farm for product designers. And you, Brian, Phil, myself can walk in there if we have a creative bone in us can help us create shoes, meaning Adidas, right? Um, we partnered with Christine Day, one of the top five most powerful women uh, influencers in the world who used to be the chief at uh, Lululemon. She's now creating a women's farm in Vancouver, BC and allowing anyone who wants to give Adidas an idea of how to influence the future of women's product design and or fit uh, footwear, apparel, accessories. I mean, that's really putting your money where your mouth is with, with the entire organization worldwide in you know, 80 plus countries. We're saying we want to co-create with our consumers moving forward and uh, creating an end product that uh, is just right for the individual. That's very powerful mm. uh, to work for an organization that has not only um, created the resources, the places, um, but uh, the mantra to be open and collaborative with um, the the industry. In this case, more more specifically, our consumers. What? Uh, tell me a little bit. Is kind of heading in that direction. Tell me a little bit about uh, customization, personalization, body data. There's a few things that are happening right now, especially in footwear, um, where you know you had a few years ago, uh, you had brand engagement. Um, uh, initiatives like I, Converse comes to mind of sort of making that product your own and making it personalized, um, and and having having a an experience of what happened to be a digital commerce experience, but having an experience where uh, you sort of create your own product and it, and 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 I don't know maybe you could in in sort of two or three uh, uh, sides to this you could explain. Is that really a viable business opportunity? Like that, is that something that's scalable? Is that something that can actually be drive business and drive new business and maybe new business channels uh, for oh, yeah. for uh, uh, manufacturing or for for a retailer? Yeah, for sure. We have had customization for I don't know as long as I've been there ten years. I hmm. think when I first joined, maybe it was nine years to be more specific, but. Um, we started with customizing some base footwear models, as an example. It was called My Adidas. Uh, a, a, a similar reference to kind of Run DMC and, and their song, but literally you can go <laughs> to myadidas.com and um, start to then customize a piece of footwear, maybe the upper, uh, maybe the sole, uh, maybe the shoelaces mm -hmm. to exactly what you want to do. And what we saw was incremental business at first, but as we started to put more models on there, um, or if you talk about apparel with team sports, imagine how many sports teams across oh, uh, sure. the U S alone, right? Um, different color palettes, different, uh, schemes, and then being able to add, let's say embroidery or stitching, et cetera. We, we have been on this journey for nine years as an Adidas group. And I mm. think the customization piece 
nine years ago was innovative. Today, my opinion would be it's mandatory. It's an expectation from the consumer. Mm. And uh, I can't tell you exactly how much business we're, we're doing, but it's material. Meaning our consumers expect to, hey, buy the white, white superstar, but then they're going to go and buy the second or third or fourth pair uh, in which they've, um, you know, jazzed up themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how much, like what, what the evolution of the future of that is when you look at brands like Under Armour who are, uh, incorporating yep. wearables into their footwear now. Yep. Um, how how much more customized can we make the experience based on your own personal body data that you're generating uh, from wearables? Uh, well, we have wearables in our in our uh, apparel and footwear as well. Yeah. And what I would say is, I, I, my prediction, and this is one data point. Okay. My prediction is that as as me as a human being continues to adapt to different stages of life, that data will be extremely important and will continue to be important based on um, how I work out, based on my athleisure style. Sure. You know, you know, I'll give you an example. I was a D1 football player, so probably one of the highest uh, <laughs> yeah. collegiate forms. What position uh, did you play? Well, I played outside linebacker at Oregon State. Oh, nice. Wow. But yeah, so back then I was in tip-top shape and full of life, right? I'm still full of life today. I'm just not in tip top shape and I need that data, right? I just, I need that data to be able to say, Hey, here's how you can work out. Here's, uh, you can't push yourself as if you're 18 year old, 22 mm -hmm. years later. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think the evolution of that space is, is critical and wearables. Um, but I think the next step of that is how uh, real time could it be? Meaning, cause right now in simple terms, you, you go work out with a wearable. Yeah or you're just walking with a wearable, then you upload, download, sure. and then you get this data. I think the next evolution of that is how real time could that be? What type of coaching could it be? Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And could it predict your next injury, right? Based on what you're running, things like that. So I'm just, I'm hypothesizing guys. Sure. But I think that's, that's kind of where it's headed next. And, and I'm, you know, a, a great overlap into that customization space too, to say, that uh, there is data that I'm generating that may uh, allow you to push recommendations to me to say that maybe the sole isn't the right sole for the type of, you know, for, right. for, my, for my daily wear um, or, you know, or maybe some other product line that I hadn't considered um, that, that would be more, uh, more correct for the type of fitness that I'm, uh, you know, that maybe the type of running that I'm doing or trail running versus, right. you know, asphalt or something. I, it's, it's an interesting space. And I think that, uh, I, I hate to keep dropping your competitors, but I like, I like to get you to, I'm trying to prompt you to, <laughs> to sure, you know, sure. but I, I'm, tell me a little bit too about, and not to give away your secret sauce. I know you're, you're heading into private equity. What are you looking for in the private equity space? And maybe there's some disruptive startups that are thinking about things like this. Uh, what, what would a startup yeah. today have to focus on to get the attention of private equity so that they could, uh, uh be disruptive? Yeah. Uh, my advice here, guys, is barely getting into this space. Yeah. I, I think, I think from my perspective, you can flip the traditional paradigm of what we just discussed for probably 30, 40 minutes yeah. up on its head. So instead of the yeah. mature businesses leading the way, um, because they have infinite resources, uh, um, they can move with strategic plans, et cetera. I think from a startup perspective, you can actually lead the industry and not be on the bleeding edge per se, but be on the leading edge because you can test, uh, retest much, much more faster and learn uh, around what the consumer is like. And so for me, what's exciting for me going into the private uh, equity space is this. I can A-B test any program, any system, any technology, mm. get data much, much quicker uh, analyze it and then retest again. So my, my refinement of, uh, let's say the implementation process, execution process of any technology and or consumer experience is, is probably 10 X a mature brand a business, right? Now here's the thing. Every, everybody talks about Amazon. One, one last statement, Amazon's so far ahead because they started their culture that way. They yeah, just happen yeah. to be a hundred plus billion dollar revenue business now, right? And so their culture is that way. And Jeff Bezos is that way. So I think if you look, I think the, the many next Amazons are out there in the startup world. 
because if the if their DNA starts that way and they build an organization that way, and as the organization grows, boy, uh, mature companies should should be concerned. Mm. So that that's kind of where my thought process is currently, and why I'm excited to go into private equity. Yeah, Richard Branson basically said the same thing. Like uh, he, when we were at uh, the big show at NRF this past January, he basically said big companies need to watch out because right now they're able to lead the market really well, but the reality is a lot of these startups um, have the opportunity to really to, to really start leading the way um, based on you know very similar data that you just referenced. Um, the other the other thing that I was thinking about, and I think this is a this is a really interesting point, because right now we have an we have an absolute abundance of technology uh, available, and it, it it's been applied in, in a lot of different ways, but there's a lot of still a lot of ways that it can be applied that is not being applied right now. Right. And so there's a lot of opportunity. If you can think about how to be creative with the tools that you have and, you know, and uh, think about, you know, you don't have to, like you mentioned, be on the bleeding edge, but you can be on the cutting edge because everyone has access to cutting edge tools right now. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think if I could add one more statement, guys, the first, and I said this at shop talk, the first to, Connect a comprehensive ecosystem, regardless of the technology, is going to be the winner. And then they're going to be hailed as whoever company does this is going to be hailed as the next Amazon, in my opinion. It's that connective, comprehensive experience through the digital ecosystem and or technologies that allows us to see uh, the holy grail uh, of retailing, which is mm. what does this consumer want? What is this consumer influenced by and what are they what's the propensity for them to be influenced into a new whether it's technology uh product or even experience right using their social digital communities so mm. and and i think above all the product has to be good right you you can have right. all the you can <laughs> yeah, if it's yeah. not a good product like you're screwed it's it, people will go through unbelievable amounts of pain to get a good product i i, I was just thinking about this the other day the the corona craze in New York when it, you know, hit a few years ago, people were standing in three hour lines. They never knew where the stupid truck was going to be. And it was a cash only business. I can't think of anything right. worse, but it was right. such a good product or at least, a, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a craze <laughs> there, uh, you know, some fanaticism, you know, it was such an interesting, uh, product that people were willing to endure some pain to go through it. And I think, you know, we, we also have to build good products. We, we can't not build good products. I, th I think that, uh, and I uh, have to agree and apologize up front. Adidas made great products. That's why we're hot. And then yeah. all the rest of it follows suit. So yeah. let mm -hmm. me just be open and transparent about it. We're making phenomenal products yep. that's close to the consumer expectation. Mm -hmm. But that has to be the, the first and most important foundation. So the product has to be what the consumer wants. I have to, um, we're, we, uh, we have about seven or eight minutes left. I, I want to hit you with one more thing and then I'm going to let you kind of uh, run with sure. it, and, and uh, Brian has some closing thoughts. I'm sure um, there's some there's some really interesting uh, uh, changes that are happening in digital commerce. Uh, one of the things that I keep coming back to uh, is trade off analytics. Um, the way that people shop, you know, IRL in store is very different to the way that we shop online. Price points are very finite online, um, but we actually have a you know, a matrix of things that we care about. And so maybe it's the, maybe we care more about durability and longevity of uh, footwear than we do actually about the style or their color or the, or the, you know, or even maybe the fit. There are some trade-offs there. And I think you can sense those things when you're selling in person. It's really hard to do online. Uh, what are your, what's your sense of how digital commerce needs to evolve to give a much, uh, uh, to, to be able to adapt to how people really actually shop? Yeah, I think there's there's going to be an amalgamation of both industries, let's say. I know that there's a significant amount of fanfare around digital e-commerce businesses mm -hmm. growing, mm -hmm. higher profitability, you know, more data analytics and et cetera. But I think the the one statement remains true at the beginning of this call, guys, which is the consumer demands an experience both online and offline. And my opinion is there'll be more of a uh, amalgamation of the, the expertise uh, as we move forward with mm. digital and or brick and mortar and revolving around uh, and supporting 
kind of this consumer experience. And so I don't think, I think it would be ill-advised in my opinion to create a digital uh, only um, strategy and then brick and mortar kind of just on kind of this maintenance mode. I think it would be better advised if we built a direct-to-consumer mentality as an industry that says, hey, this consumer shops anywhere they want to. How, how fast or how quickly or how accurately could we um, make their consumer journey seamless? Uh, and so I think if you're a multi-channel business like we are today at Adidas, with, uh, and I say multi-channel because uh, there really is no omni-channel system out there <laughs> where the consumer is sharing every piece of data, right? So multi-channel for us would be, hey, I can share the data. They opted into a, a mono brand, in this case, Adidas. Um, we need to make sure that that experience is as seamless as possible. And that's a long road with lots of intensive resources and, and investments still to come. But I think generally my advice would be and my opinion would be Guys, we need to build a direct-to-consumer mentality in which it, it includes digital uh, as maybe the tip of the spear hmm. and prioritization, but you have digital, you have social, you have brick-and-mortar experiences because people still love the touch-and-feel product, right, and try on sure. product. And then ultimately um, advance the, the experience by adding technologies that are relevant to your consumer depending on your organization. Right. So it's amazing. Um, let me just add a couple of, well, just let me ask a couple of final questions here. I, uh, I, I absolutely love that, that we caught you at this moment in your life where you're sort of in the middle of a trans transition from Adidas to Komodo. Cause it, I feel like our listeners kind of a mix of, of retailers and technology providers. And, um, you know, I, I would love to catch back up with you later after, you know, a few months in or, or, you know, six to six sure. 12 months in, um, at Komodo, um, as you're going into this, you know, in, in going from, from merchant to, to VC, um, what, what are your, you know, so, some final pieces of advice here for our merchants? And then also, um, you know, maybe, maybe you mention what you're looking for from, from Komodo's perspective, um, kind of coming out of that world through that, through that lens of being a merchant. Um, so maybe give, give us some near-term recommendations, some quick near-term recommendations, and maybe a hot take on, on, on one type of technology for the future. Five for years. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, my advice is for, uh, current merchandising focus would be, look, I think whether you work for a global organization with a global footprint or, uh, a North American local footprint. I think when you look at your consumer, they are different by geography. And so my advice would be, you can still work within a very global footprint like Adidas and localize your assortment to your consumer. And so that's, that's an important strategy that uh, we all need to be relentless on. That's, that's why uh, we have been, my team has become successful. Adidas group has become successful as we're starting to uh, really leverage our global footprint to much more of a local flair to the consumer. And I'm not even talking about markets and countries. I'm talking about, geez, within New York, uh, uh, two hour circumference, there's basically six different uh, sub uh, GDPs there in the mm. boroughs, right? And so you, and within that, you can get to a much more micro sorted uh, level of detail from a product merchandising, from a brand uh, marketing perspective, it, it's significant. And so that would be one piece of advice uh, in which I would ask the audience to continue to think about is that's how Adidas became successful and will continue to be successful. And I think how other companies could become successful. I think to answer your question going into uh, my transition, what I would say is this, we are far behind from a resource infinite perspective, because obviously you're trying to get the consumer to um, come back to this business. Uh, in this case, I'm not going to uh, uh, broken business. I'm going to the market leader. And so I have a heads up into the VC area, which is, look, how do we uh, look to the future to your question? For me, my goal is to create an integrated ecosystem that follows this consumer 
as best I can in a multi-channel environment. And if I can achieve that and produce the revenue slash profit results, then I think that would be the next stage. And I'm going to need help. I'm looking for partners to help me um, craft and uh, develop that journey, right? I don't have all the answers today, but one point's for sure. There's a lot of technology out there. And what I'm looking for in technology partners is to really be a partner. Let's mm. win together. Uh, and let's uh, let's win together or potentially not win as much, you know, when we're losing. Right. And mm. so I think my, my point there is don't sell me a service. Sell me a partnership in which we can both win together, because when everybody's making money together, everybody become happy. Right. <laughs> so I think that's that's also a uh, transition or transformation that needs to occur in the industry. I think there's mm. a lot of partners and vendors, but there's no no really true long-term partner. And I think that's what uh, guys like me as a, as a new CEO in the private equity sector is looking for. Somebody who wants to win with me midterm, long-term, not just the short sale. That's a, uh, wow, that's great. Wow. So much, uh, so much left that we could unpack, but I really, I really appreciate your time. We're, we're about out of time here today. Uh, so thank you so much. Is there anywhere where people can hit you up on social media and kind of follow your journey? Yeah, you know, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm pretty lazy on social media. So uh, <laughs> those are the kind of the two primary forms that they can hit me up on. LinkedIn's probably the best. Uh, Twitter, I'm on yeah, as great. well. So. Well, the, congratulations, Nick Vu of Adidas and, uh, and, and now uh, of Komodo. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, congratulations on your success and best of luck for the future. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Future Commerce. We want your feedback on today's show, so make sure that you uh, head on over to futurecommerce.fm, uh, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play, and make sure you pop us a five-star, give us some feedback so that other people can discover uh, this show and this uh, content. And uh, if you want to be a guest on today's show, make sure you uh, drop us a line at futurecommerce.fm, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Without any further ado, uh, thank you for listening, and keep looking toward the future. Thank you.